Hello, today is Monday, November 20th, 2023, and welcome to episode 278 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm NSI Senior Fellow Lester Munson, and I'm joined today by my fellow Senior Fellow Morgan Vigna and NSI's Founder and Executive Director, Jamil Jaffer. Today, we're going to talk about deterrence, specifically deterrence with respect to the proxy war that is going on with Iran in the Middle East, uh, specifically in Iraq and Syria, where in the last month, Iranian-backed groups have stepped up their attacks on, on U.S. forces that are uh, currently in bases in Iraq and Syria to the tune of two attacks per day. This is a big increase over the last couple of years from 2021 until early 2023, these attacks happened at the rate of about one a week. Uh, so this is, this is a significant increase in attacks on U.S. forces. Americans have been injured in these attacks. Thankfully, there have been no American fatalities thus far. But as Senator Kevin Kramer points out in a recent Washington Post story, it's just a matter of time. That story in the Post this weekend is what we're going to talk about, because it appears that there are some leaks out of the Defense Department, anonymous, of course, of folks who are displeased with this uh, so-called deterrence policy, pointing out that it's really not deterring much and questioning what the standards are for U.S. counterattacks. The Biden administration has launched three separate counterattacks on a Iranian-backed forces, particularly in Syria, in the last uh, couple of months, have they been effective? The pace of attacks from Iranian-backed forces has not decreased in the slightest from that. So what is the purpose of this policy is a question. Uh, what is what is the goal of U.S. policy in the region? There's a couple of things to discuss here. Morgan, I'm interested in your reaction first. The Biden administration has said that it seeks to uh, diminish the possibility of escalation uh, of aggression throughout the region. However, at the same time, Iran continues to to hit the United States as well as our interests, particularly by supporting uh, Iranian proxies, uh, including including Hamas, um, which, as we saw on October seventh, uh, committed one of the well the largest terrorist attack on Israeli soil. Um, and so I think what we're seeing here is the Biden administration continuing to adhere to its you know, top policy objective of uh, preventing a nuclear Iran through uh, diplomatic engagement. And what we've seen right now is by not escalating, by not hitting Iran back and providing a military deterrence, the Biden administration seeks to maintain um, a small window in order to, to pursue that diplomacy. Um, I think that window um, closed a long time ago. Uh, I think at this point, the, the administration is, is pursuing a, a, a policy of fantasy. It just doesn't exist anymore. And it needs to uh, figure out a, a better approach to combating uh, Iranian aggression. Um, you know, I think Senator Kramer is spot on the fact that it's just a matter of time uh, before the United States uh, sees uh, a personnel casualties. Not only that, but, you know, it's unclear to me to what extent we, we are able to absorb these types of attacks without hitting back. Jamil, I think the administration would say they're, what they're trying to deter is a larger conflict between uh, Iran and Israel and U.S. and the U.S. in the region. And to that extent, do they have a point? No, not at all. I mean, you know, we always tell our kids uh, on the playground, hey, look, if a bully bothers you, you should go, to, go tell the teacher um, and, you know, we'll sort it out behind closed doors, which is essentially the Biden administration policy to Iran. We'll worry about it behind closed doors. We'll try and negotiate. We'll try and figure it out. The truth is 
like every bully on the playground, Iran uh, responds to one thing, which is being punched in the face. So you should give your kids, better advice for your kids is punch that bully in the face in front of everybody. Not only will that bully not bother you, the vast majority of other bullies won't bother you either. The problem is the Biden administration doesn't want to hit back these 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 minor responses they're engaged in hitting arms depots in Syria is a joke, right? The, the Trump administration had the right idea. They took out Qasem Soleimani, that limited attack, Iranian proxy attacks on America for a number of months. The Biden administration is now back at it. Over 140 attacks in the last two and a half years alone with 60 attacks just in the last month. This is an embarrassment. It's pathetic. We need to push back and hard. This is the time to take out a senior Iranian leader. The time is now. The administration needs to act. All right. We've got a couple minutes left. I want to talk about an easy topic. There was, uh, in addition to the story in the Washington Post over the weekend, President Biden had a very long op-ed, about 1,200 words, explaining his foreign policy uh, to to his base, effectively, because there's a real problem for Democrats. Young people aren't buying into uh, necessarily the Israel side of this conflict, at least not in, in at least not in numbers that are good for Democrats. So the president president penned, and surely it was written by Jake Sullivan or Tony Blinken or their staff, a long explainer of. U.S. support for Israel in the context of the conflict with Hamas and U.S. support for Ukraine against the invasion of Russia. Nowhere mentioned in this article is Iran. It, the word does not appear. It doesn't discuss these proxy attacks on U.S. forces in the region. Is it possible for us to even talk about the Biden legacy and the Biden foreign policy and what the U.S. is doing right now without talking about Iran in the Middle East? Morgan, uh, I've, I've teed up a nice softball for you here. What do you say? Well, first of all, I really appreciate some of parenting advice. <laughs> Rock oh my god <laughs> although as, as the mother of the uh, of a daughter who is the smallest kid on the playground i suggest that she find make friends with an enforcer so there's that too um but no to, to solid to answer your your question more directly Wes, look i think the biden administration is really trying to avoid um, talking about Iran as much as possible. It really wants to maintain that window, or keep that window open, even though it's shut, as I said before. Look, President Biden didn't even mention Afghanistan in the op-ed. So clearly he's really looking to um, overlook and not draw attention to uh, to his foreign policy national security failures. Um, I wouldn't necessarily, you know qualify Ukraine as, as a foreign policy success given the trajectory of that war is going. But nevertheless, I think that this was a, uh, an attempt by the administration, by the president to, um, to sort of outline his, his foreign policy approach and hope that, um, his, his supporters will, uh, appreciate it moving forward into the next, going forward into the next election. Yeah, the reason, Les, you know, that, that, um, that Joe Biden needs to write an op-ed about his foreign policy is because his foreign policy has been an utter and complete disaster. The Afghanistan withdrawal, right, the disaster, the, the war now going on in the Middle East, the war going on in Ukraine, his attempt to deter and hug in dictators and try to get them on board with negotiations, you know, this pipe dream that Russia wouldn't invade, you know, wouldn't invade Ukraine, the pipe dream that Iran could be brought into a nuclear deal, right, and not attack Americans. All of these are mythical. The idea in their, in their national security strategy that China can be negotiated with on climate, I mean, their entire foreign policy is like unicorn and rainbows. And so it's no surprise that they need a foreign policy. I bet it's because they don't have an actual foreign policy, not a single victory. They were close, to be fair. They were close 
to a massive deal that could have changed the face of the Middle East. And Hamas blew that up with the attacks, the terrorist attacks Uh on October 7th. That's a wrap. Thanks so much to Devlin, Bernie, Claude Jennings, and the NSI staff for their help in producing today's episode. We'll be taking a break for the Thanksgiving holiday. So join us again next Monday, November 27th, for another episode of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. Fault Lines is now on YouTube. So check out our channel for a video of today's episode. If if you like what you heard or saw, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Have a terrific Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble.